While you're looking for it, can I yeah. see if I can get Kenny back on? It sounds like he's barricaded himself in his kitchen. I his see. His words. Okay. Yeah, that's... If if it sounds good, yeah. Okay. Let's let's get this to work. Hello, listeners. Welcome to a very special episode of Mars on Life, uh, episode sixty. We wanted to have this brief little intro just to kind of let you know what you're about to listen to. Um, we were able to get sort of an impromptu interview with friend of the show, Kenny Barry, a.k.a. Kenneth Frank James Barry, a.k.a. Uh, all of the nicknames that he uses on Touchdowns and Tangents that are escaping me at the moment. But, uh, yeah, we had Kenny join the show um, to kind of add a little bit of an of a addendum to pete and andrew's episodes about journalism um just to kind of let everybody know as well that the sound quality might be a little weird um i know that was something that Sebastian and i both caught basically just got had to do with where kenny was calling from and the, the equipment he was using just so you know just so you're not like listening to the show and thinking wow mars on life they've really uh they've really stepped down haven't they <laughs> um uh no we have not uh, if anything, we're still trying to be responsible recording remotely. But before we even get into the main episode itself, I figure uh, we'd follow up on how the two of us are doing. Uh, Sebastian, you got some follow-up news after you dropped some major news last week. Uh, care to share with the class? <laughs> um, well, like I said, I... Like I said previously in the uh, in the last episode, I didn't want to try to downplay it or upplay the fact that uh, I did get COVID. Yes, um, for all intents and purposes, after taking a supplementary test that would pretty much dictate whether or not I could go back to work, I thankfully can. I tested negative. I got the results back the last night. This morning is when I sent them to. Oh, okay. Yeah, my employer and. I'll just be returning to work uh, on the day that they told me. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's one of those things where, again, I don't want to effectively downplay or upplay it. I can only go off of, well, now personal anecdotes and anecdotes from other people who've said, oh, this is, you know, le legitimately the easiest thing I've had to overcome or for all intents and purposes, well, they can't speak because either they've been gravely affected or have since passed away. So needless to say, it's it, it's something to be taken seriously. It's just a matter of getting back to normal with my body now knowing how to handle it. And the good news is, is that uh, you've now got plenty of time to, um, I guess, schedule your appointment to get your first dose of either the Pfizer or Moderna uh, vaccines. Yeah. Uh, did you hear what happened with Johnson and Johnson though? <laughs> Man. Uh... Yeah, that was um, when I first saw the news, I was just like, Oh, I bet the, uh, I bet the QAnons are coming out of the woodwork and they, uh, they're, they're putting their, they're putting their two cents or they're putting their coins into the Alex Jones was right jar. 
And as much as I don't like to follow conspiracy theories, short of the humor of it all, it's um, it was rather surprising, I gotta say. If anything, it, it was really bizarre seeing the news and then, you know, you factor in all of the other bits of shady history from Johnson and Johnson's past and you're kind of just thinking to yourself, yeah, uh, this this is just not looking too good. So it's... I mean, I mean, I guess to give a little bit of background, uh, mm-hmm. no, the Johnson and Johnson COVID-19 vaccine has not been recalled. Uh, they're it just putting a, no. they're putting a pause on it. Right. If I'm correct, uh, because I believe it was six women developed blood clots. Yes. OK. Yeah, and I, it was it was between the ages of 18 and 48, so they couldn't really pinpoint I mean, they pinpointed an age bracket, definitely, but it was like, oh, if it's happening in this many people, uh, we, <laughs> we may as well pull a Robin Hood and just stop the whole thing. <laughs> just just put a pause on it for 30 days or, or however, lo- however long they're planning on doing it for. Yeah, I know that the CDC got involved in basically reaching out to Johnson & Johnson being like, hey, so what's the deal with this vaccine issue? Um and it's it's really it's I don't know what to make of it other than, you know, we, we've been getting really hinky news stories about Johnson and Johnson for a while now. And so to some degree, this isn't all that surprising, I hate to say. And on top of that, one person has died who mm. apparently did take the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. And, you know, just following up with a, a story from AP about it. Centers of Disease Control and Prevention and the Food and Drug Administration announced that they were looking into unusual clots in six women between the ages of 18 and 48. One person died. And mind you, there's no there's nothing about, you know, men having any issues with the vaccine. So I've even seen a few comments here and there about, well, then I guess wouldn't that mean you could still use it for men? But you know what? It's you don't want to have you know, more cases or more examples of people getting, you know, blood clots or whatever other conditions from taking the the single dose vaccine. So it's, yeah, good news that I will also share as of the day that we normally record Wednesday, I have received my first dose of the Moderna vaccine. A happy moment, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, everyone can now go back to my episodes where I said, "Oh, we're not getting the vaccines until June," and tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, go how, right ahead. Yeah, how dated you sound. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know what? I, if anything, I think it's got to do with the fact that you know every state is desperate to reopen, and every state is basically paying attention to the fact that, oh, look at all these old people that have gotten the vaccine. And that somehow translates into, we need to reopen. And it says to me that the federal government is stepping in to basically say, come on, man, you you can't reopen when, you know, all all the Mary Sues and Roy Rogers out there can't get the vaccine because they're under the age of 34. Come on, man. Um... (laughs) And you know what? That kind of does make sense. It's like the people that contribute most to the economy haven't been vaccinated up until a certain point, i.e. April 1st. But, you know, once you start, you know, 
making the vaccines more accessible to the general public, then you can probably feel a little bit more comfortable about reopening. That said, you know, California seems to be doing fairly well. And on top of that, Michigan is a shit show. Uh, surprise, surprise. <laughs> so, uh, and I can say that because I've had neighbors from Michigan and uh, I will not go further on that. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the vaccine gave me a little smidgen of optimism. I doubt it, but. Uh, no, no, it couldn't that's, be. That's, <laughs> <laughs> you, the person who never leaves his house? What do you mean? <laughs> Hey, man, I, I went to San Fernando for this. So it's and I got it early. So I'm mm. I'm happy that I was able to get it a day early. Granted, like all the vaccination appointments were, I think, starting to be they they started to become available on. Let me double check to when I texted you that carbon health link. Uh, uh, wow, my phone is really taking more time. Saturday. OK. Mm. Um, it was basically like once people started getting that LA Times notification on Saturday, which I should point out, I have never seen people praise a news notification before quite like this particular one that basically told people, hey, people 16 and older, guess what? Here's where you need to go to get vaccinated. And there it was. There was the additional tab that said, I am 16 and older. Give me my give me my uh, vaccination, <laughs> give me, please. Give me my shot. Yeah. Because, you know, as we said last week, like, all we need is is just a shot. Just a shot. So it's it's all good news around there. And uh, I can also, I guess, report that Pete got his first dose uh, this morning as well. That, that'll be a fun Touchdowns and Tangents episode to check out tomorrow night. By the time you're listening to this episode, it'll already be out. So, haha, time. <laughs> um... <laughs> At this point, we can kind of lean into, uh, not to sound like a, a Facebook executive, but we can lean into uh, this week's episode. Radical. Can you guys hear me good? Yeah, we hear you. All right, yeah. hear you. Well, after several weeks, we've decided to finally do the third part. Uh, <laughs> Bastion and I have finally made that very... Uh, inevitable decision that we had to have very special voice return of the show. Very special voice who uh, arguably needs no introduction, but at the same time definitely deserves an introduction. Uh, Mars on Life listeners, you'll be listening to the one, the only, Kenneth Frank James Barry. No- normally our guests introduce themselves, but figured uh, Kenny could have that introduction. Kenny, what's up, man? Uh, last year to wake up another day. Definitely trying to go to the beach later. <laughs> and uh, yeah, looking for doctors and primary care physicians right now is a total pain in the ass. So make sure you got a good doctor. <laughs> mm. So how's it how's it feel being on the episode knowing that you're the better half of touchdowns and tangents? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shit, I came up with the name and all the episode titles. No, but it's, um, I'm glad that I went last. I'm glad you guys got Andrew and Pete first. Because, I mean, we're really thinking about it. The introduction to Mancini 
technically I met Ryan before too. But um go back to the sundown situation. Like, mm-hmm. And that's ended up being roommates. So technically well, I met Drew first and I've known Pete who's on the show. Me and CD hit it off before Pete did. Hmm. This is true. Yeah. But um, how how did it feel knowing that like he really tried to get you with that whole with that whole uh, <laughs> gag at the end? I was like, really, fam? You can hold on that all interview. I mean, did he change my mind on the whole journalist talk? I, I wouldn't say that he like completely converted me. I, I definitely appreciate the discussion that was had though i think the contentiousness of being a journalist in 2021 um has taken sort of a nosedive in quality and and content respectively so i I mean i know i knew that having pete and andrew come on they were going to be people who took pride in their work you know obviously we weren't going to hear a dumb response from from either of them right now does that still uh, discredit the uh, the amount of the amount of slop I see on social media. You know, no. But I'm glad that they, that there are people out there who are genuinely trying, who are genuinely still trying to fight the good fight. So, you know, it, it felt good having them on. Dope, dope. I'll just I'll just preface uh, something I'm gonna say uh, when it comes to journalists. You just gotta always remember, this guy always dies at the end. Just remember that. It's always, it's all, it's never a happy ending for the good guy in journalism or gal. But yeah, um, let's get to it. Looking back on those two episodes, I guess what was kind of your overall take? Because I know that, and I've told Sebastian this in the recent past, that the four of us, you know, we all come from very different backgrounds. We all have our own interesting perspectives on how the journalism industry is persevering or at least somewhat persevering i guess you could say and uh you know we we all kind of look at the inconsistencies and the failures and all the issues that plague the industry very differently although we all we all come to agreement at some point i guess in your view where where do you think it's really lacking or or i i know that this is kind of a a simple question with a big answer but um i guess when you look at the industry as a whole what do you think is plaguing it the most uh people with their own agendas and the fact that good people actually have uh, the money access and resources i mean i can break it down to you on any level i remember i was a junior college reporter and i was doing stories at El Camino College, and I was in the golf course at five in the morning. She only gave me like two or three sentences, and I had to make that shit stretch. Um, now, ironically, she was a coach at like three of the junior colleges. I probably should have done an investigation into that, but I didn't have the time, resources, or just I just didn't really care. I, was, I got my story done. Now, you think you factor that in? Think about what the role of a writer is, what you know, a beat writer is supposed to do. And then you 
about what that editor's job is because they're trying to do it. And it's a relationship. Like, I remember um, 7K, she works at KKLs. She told us, she told us that they really the field students because she had, it's about talking to people. I think it's always gotten the journalism because I always wanted to tell other people stories because I felt like there's a lot of people who don't get their chance to do I think, like, in terms of history and how we remember things, people need to hear the voices and the sides of issues bigger than just, you know, the side and the B side. Like, there's Democrat and Republican, that's politics. There's, there's so much nuance beyond just those two. So when I think about, you know, how it's, how it's different and how it could definitely be better, down to just a simple, you know, editor, writer relationship, and how you've gotten to the publisher, like, what's the mission statement of who you're working for? Mm-hmm. Your values are, if you're a wholesome person and you want to do things by the book, you've seen it in Hell, I even went, um, I even said at one point, like, me, you, Andrew, and Pete are like the four horsemen of the journalism apocalypse. <laughs> To really break it down, I mean, you know, if, if, uh, if we're doing our damnedest and our best, but other people mm-hmm. have been tested the same standard, and then people in charge, obviously they're trying to make money, telling you things that are like, no, that goes against my code and what a journalist should be doing. I remember one time somebody, I'm not going to say who, but a certain someone said, oh, podcast should be more than 15 minutes. And I said, well, what about Joe Rogan, Adam Carolla? I just named about like 20 famous podcasters. And like, they make millions of dollars in podcasting. This was mm-hmm. 2014. So you're telling me we were, I was on the wave of understanding that you need to incorporate digital, digital tool, storytelling tools into journalism via podcasting in 2014. I had those ideas in 2012 that I just did for podcasting. And other people had those same ideas that wanted to do it. They shouldn't mm-hmm. tell me the person who's in charge. Oh, that's a horrible idea. So you're already on the wrong side of history. And it kind of speaks to what Pete was talking about. Like, there are a lot of gatekeepers. So, if you don't have the resources, you don't have the money, you don't have, you're not a shot caller. And yeah, it just goes back to the world's gonna always die at the time. It'll be sacrificed for whatever the greater good is of whatever media company you work for or conglomerate or whatever because it's not your message. That's why you gotta start grassroots. You just gotta start where you are. When I think about that, it's just the same problem recurring over and over again. And also, you know, not everybody who is, on the, is at the top or above you or who is a good people or why you should change is necessarily honestly morally and morally strong enough or they have the integrity to do so. They're about to look out for themselves, get a paycheck mm-hmm. and go home. 
So some people don't care how something's come out. I remember we were at, it was a time when we were at the Sundial. Um, a lot of the black organizations would leave dirty works and, you know, come at me sideways sometimes and be like, yeah, don't like the Sundial because uh, y'all always misquote black organizations when you're doing black stories. And I'm like, whoa, I'm a transfer student. I just got here. Don't put that on me. You got a beef with the sundial. You need to go into the sundial and handle that beef. Don't use me as, you know, Mr. Telephone. Like, I'll be mm. saying that. Mm. And say, hey, this is what the climate is on campus about us. Like, this is how they feel about us. What are y'all actually doing to get the trust of the people who you're trying to do stories on? Or is this just another assignment? Because the Sundial was volatile. Like, when I came in, like, I didn't have to take the classes. I was already a reporter. I was already a seasoned reporter for, you know, that level coming in. So really, it was like, I just didn't have content. I didn't have the ideas. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Just give me the resources. Mm -hmm. In your case, you had, you didn't necessarily have the resources. But you also necessarily didn't have, not maybe not necessarily the gatekeepers, but people who could have just let you do you. They either wanted to put you in a box or they thought you were annoying, or they tried to give you quote unquote bitch work. And we saw how that turned out. You know, everybody's everybody's introduction to journalism was different. Like what you are compared to what everybody else sees you as is almost a determination for your future. And it's really unfortunate. Because we know some untalented assholes who have really good positions. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, what? People would huge Twitter followers. I'm like, how do you guys even retweet your own stuff to get likes? You're quoting your own tweets. Like you're nasty. Like you should do that. Like, no. The only time I'm re-quoting something, I tweeted to add more context to the conversation. Like, or to get a joke off. But that's just me. My personality. Like, I don't necessarily, I don't even really tweet that much if you really look at my stuff. But I am tweeting stuff that's, like, culturally relevant to things I talk about. So I'm always in the know of something. Sorry, this mm -hmm. is a really long answer. But you get what I'm saying? It, it comes back to resources, um, you know, the, the people and relationships and the structure of where you're at. Because again, you know, when we were doing podcast network at the Sundial, nobody really told me no because I came with ideas and a proof of concept and then I let other people do it, got out of the way. But then there were other mm. people who were like, I don't like Kenny, I don't like his ideas, but his ideas are incredibly successful, and they're all fired. And everybody comes with the story ideas. And your section isn't even doing better than him by himself. But I'm just mm. giving examples. Like, people, you got examples, you got examples. You know, that's just my thing when it comes down to that particular topic. Just, it's going to come down to those three things every time. Money, resources, and what are the, the motives and, uh, and, and goals and 
moral compass and integrity of the people who are above you. Mm-hmm. That's always going to be the struggle with every newsroom that you work in. You know, what's readily available financially um, and w- basically what the structure is like. And obviously, when we were in school, you know, the, the structure was being reinvented. It seemed like every semester, every year when it came down to, you know, a new staff of editors, uh, when it came down to new ideas on how to cover campus news. And, you know, when you don't have any set structure in place, that's arguably a good moment where you can start uh, developing new ideas on how to engage with people. I had to use that word. I apologize. Um, The other factor, too, with journalism is that when you have a lack of structure or at least a certain lack of morals when it comes down to staff, editors, publishers, you run into the situation where any editor can just run rampant with power. And that's always something that you and I have experienced several times. I'm sure Pete and Andrew have experienced it one way or another. And that's always something that becomes somewhat demoralizing when you have reporters that want to work and they want to tell stories, but when they're being shut down by, you know, a power hungry editor, then you run into a lot of problems where it's like, okay, so are we doing something that's like a common good or are we doing something that's about one person's ego rather than, you know, basically fomenting what this exact department is trying to teach us, for example, like with uh, our old days at the, uh, at the sundial. So, um, Really tangible in the real world once they go outside, they can't use it. 
outdated advice in some cases. I was going to ask too, something that was brought up with both Pete and Andrew was the whole concept of whether or not journalism is in a state of downfall. And I'm curious what your thoughts are. I mean, obviously, I, I think I have an idea, but you know, for listeners who, who want to paint a full picture of the four horsemen of journalism, uh, oh God, it's it's such an honor, by the way. Um, that, might be, that might be a title, by the way. I'm, you know. Oh yeah, that's I'm I'm feeling pretty good about it. I gotta say. Um, but I guess what what's sort of your state of mind when it comes to the whole belief slash disbelief that journalism is in a state of of free fall slash downfall i mean it's always been free fall just look at the inception just look at the like the hierarchy of the and then look at the cultural and racial hierarchy how many i think you talk about like how many black uh, uh column writers there are in the country it's like less than 10 or some crazy number like that um, when you look at the racial politics, I went through it the Sunday. You look at the You're probably going to have to repeat that because I just heard a motorcycle go by. Yeah, I was damn it. <laughs> hey, hey, when, like, dudes on motorcycles, like, have really obnoxious engines that you can hear from three blocks away. It's like, you get it, dude. Like, your girlfriend left you for somebody bigger. <laughs> yeah. You look at media in general. Hierarchy of the newsroom. Has it ever been fair, just, credible, uh, equitable? Has it ever been a fair shot for everybody? It's never been. It's, it started out as a hierarchy for white men. White women came along, then it's filtered its way out ever since. Like, you can look at, you can go back to Ida B. Wells, having her publicity presses burned down, her being threatened with murder because a bunch of black people were being lynched and she was reporting on it. You would think if those journalists, her, her, you know, her white counterparts, who were clearly seeing what she was reporting on was just jumping to do more. Like, this idea of, oh my God, it's worse than it's ever been. No, it's always been this way. It's just affecting you now. Like, you just now realizing, oh, we're living, uh, we're living beyond the Thunderdome. Yeah, it's always been this bad. Mm-hmm. Now it's to the point where it's unavoidable. Like, I think Sebastian talked about how obnoxious some journalists are on Twitter. Yeah, they're totally obnoxious. And they're corny as hell in real life. They're mad corny. Goes back to the whole, you know, you out here. Or quoting your own tweets. Like, mm. there's people, and we know them, who witness journalism because they wanted to be famous. And they, had no real time. they had no real time. Just learn how to use the camera, stab people in the back, do dirty, shysty shit, and I'm sorry right. for I'm like super negative and depressing, but let's just be honest. Like, there are people who don't have any real talent in every profession and they ruin the profession for people who actually care mm-hmm. and that's what you're seeing people are thinking oh the sky just started falling no the sky the sky fell a long time ago 
stepped up out of shit and realized, oh, not too nice outside. Yeah, no, no, my main argument from the last two episodes was a matter of, it's not a matter of uh, form, but rather of function. Uh, what kind of content are these are these people online, like, actually producing? And, and to that same point of, like, retweeting and liking your own tweets, you know, it's like, you know, Donald Trump voted for himself, you know, it's, it's going to happen. Um, but when you set yourself up in this sort of like journalistic echo chamber where only your opinion is the one that's being bounced off the walls, would you say that that's a good tactic in putting your best foot forward as a journalist? I would say yes and no. It comes down to, okay, what are you trying to accomplish? How are you, journalism is a tool. How are you, are you going to use that tool to destroy, tear, or fix? Like, what's your agenda? Like, in my case, we do trust our tangents. Like, I care about community, what's going on in the community as far as sports, because I've seen how politics and, and money and other things have affected sports. So, when, like, my old high school, the superintendent was stealing money, and he stole millions of dollars almost bankrupted the district and my teammates and I, we were fundraising selling out all types of money football program and we never saw any of the benefits of that money now future generations have but you know I've talked to coaches I've reported on it Like my goal is to find out the truth find out other people's stories that's how I done it but we have other people who see it as I'm going to make money under the guise of journalism, and they're not really journalists. They're really just media hormones. I'm pretty sure communications, like, yeah, like some people are just very obscene. I, I, I remember I have a friend who works in PR, and I never really have like this negative point of people who work in PR, like they're shitty people. It's like, no. They, they work for the they don't necessarily believe in, you know, the, the lines or the restrictions that journalists put on themselves, and that's okay. But also, I understand, like, yes, yeah, some people are really sloppy and disgusting, but you can't hate them. That's their profession. That's their side of the line that they're on. If you understand everybody's role. And you know how to move accordingly because what's understood don't have to be explained. So that's how I look at it. I think if you're going to use journalism, okay, use it how you're going to use it. But don't, don't bullshit everybody and piss on them and tell them it's orange juice. Your work will speak for itself. You know, your motivations eventually are going to come out and how you report or what you think is journalism really you're just masturbating your own ego you gotta make sure you're getting across so you're socially climbing using you know the guys being a professional journalist and it's like no dude that's your opinion that's your opinion. or you know what'll sell it's controversial so that's how you do it can I answer your question? it does and then some <laughs> freshman year you don't know exactly what the industry will be like you don't know how tedious and how 
Well, it sounds like you got some strong wins there, Kenny. Yeah, South Bay. It's gloomy <laughs> outside. It was sunny like all last week, bro. It was like sunny, perfect beach weather for the past two weeks, and now it looks like fucking hurricane. Oh, jeez. Oh, well, ho- hopefully uh, nothing blows you away um, out into the wind and, and say something shows up and takes you out. Anyway, um, what was I saying? Oh, uh yeah, I even remember freshman year having somebody um, – there was somebody that I knew who – I think she was like the very first journalism major that I ever met. And uh, her and I were taking – I think it was like a theater class. And at some point, we were all asked what we want to do with our majors. I just vividly remember her saying that she wanted to be a TV host. And then she said, just like when Williams. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't I can't ignore the wind. <laughs> I wanted to say something and I'm glad I did say something. <laughs> I'm just like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, and part of me part of me part of me wants to, to have that like Peter Griffin meme where uh, Rob Gronkowski moved next door and like a beehive landed on Rob. And he's like, oh, there's bees. You have bees here? And Peter's like, yeah, it's the world. <laughs> well, yeah. So I'll, sure. t- I'll tell you what we're going to do. Um, that was a... <laughs> that was a great discussion. Um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what we'll do, though, because... Um, because of sort of the audio issue, do you mind if we just kind of jump jump ahead in the next topic? I managed to find a pocket of a corner pocket of silence. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh. <laughs> you know what? I mean, it was an enriching discussion. It really was. Yeah. Um, no. It, it, whether or yeah. not Kenny happens to return or not, um, I mean, I'm glad that we had him on, you know, first and foremost. Oh, definitely. But if if he keeps popping in and out, I may just have to say, uh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess with the time we have left, because we kind of mutually agreed that we were going to keep this a short episode, I just kind of want to... Um, I kind of want to put a bow on it by ironically giving you something to open up. It's a surprise that graced my inbox. So now you have to hear about it too. Oh boy. Yeah. First of all, I don't know how this got in my, in my inbox. I think (laughs) the Google deep mind is just sort of scanning, (laughs) scanning every, every inch of information about me. And they've, somewhat they've somehow narrowed it down to a signature on some innocuous clipboard that i happened to sign and somehow uh this this crossed my screen so what i have here is oh if i can find it yo yo okay 
What's it, South Bay? Yeah, is that much better? Much better. That's a little better, yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's bullshit, but it's it's it's, it's sound. Well, see, we have a. Uh, let's just say we have a. Uh, you said that you're you're coming from South Bay, right? That's where you're recording. Yeah, I'm in the South Bay. I was outside of my apartment just now. Yeah, see, another reason why I think California should just go right into the ocean, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the wind, is, the wind is pushing it. The, the the wind is pushing it. The construction's pushing it. It's just, oh man. But I wanted, but while you were gone, um, I was, uh, I had a bit of a surprise for Mancini, uh, for the past week. And now that you're in the call, I actually wanted to share it with you too because I didn't know if we were gonna have you back. I thought that it just cut out entirely. But I was telling Mancini how. I don't know how I got this in my inbox other than I probably signed my name on a few things in the past and got added to some mailing lists. But y- y'all remember PragerU, right? Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, so so Kenny, you haven't heard of it, right? Uh, I remember hearing of it, but then just going back to whatever I was doing. So so PragerU is a is a YouTube channel. Um adjunct from their i guess their website or whatever that uh <laughs> has a lot of uh very heavily conservative opinions and they do it through this very uh uh this very John Deere-esque style where it's like oh the the common man you can be a part of greatness too kind of thing and you typically have people like uh like Vosh and a few other YouTubers uh, sort of debating what the content that comes out of this site. And for the most part, it's pretty benign, I would say. I don't think it goes out of your way to just shoehorn your way in, into your life. It, it's it's like you said, it's one of those videos where you see once on YouTube and you either click on it or you ignore it completely. But <laughs> PragerU is apparently announcing kids' shows. <laughs> Uh. So, uh, what I want to know is is how they title this because it says "Dear Prager You Supporter." Again, I've never once signed up for any mailing list, so I'm very skeptical of how this landed. <laughs> it, it wasn't even spam either; it was just like straight up, like inbox. Thousands of patriotic Americans are joining forces to take back our children's education with Prager U's new K through 12 initiative through uh, PragerU Resources for Educators and Peers, otherwise known as PREP. Uh. And (laughs) it says that it's been producing new PREP content every day and and curating special resources to support this energized and rapidly growing pro-America community with such examples known as Otto's Otto's Tales, A Sweet Story... a sweet story that celebrates American values. Uh, uh, craftery. Craft plus history. Learn family-friendly crafts with a dash of history. How not to be a screen addict. And how to take care of an American flag. Just to name a few. And Mancini, I'm going to go ahead and... Oh, I'm going to go ahead and forward this to you. Uh... Oh. Yeah. 
That sounds like just pure. Yeah, right. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where you like you don't question it if it lands in like your spam folder. But this was just a direct like. You seen like those straight to Disney movies? Oh God! Like you remember those? Um, Lion King two and a half. Yeah, no, Lion King one and a half. One and a half. One and a half. Yeah. Um, but this was just hysterical, and I got it. I, I just got to show someone about this, and that's why I wanted to wait because I knew you were gonna be like, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, the thing is, the thing is, Shugzy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, or some variant. Well, that's just it. Okay, did it not send? I haven't gotten it yet, so I I don't know. There. Uh, I, I I have not seen this this magic. Okay. We'll check it out, and uh. We will. It sounds like it sounds like it's like the QAnon guys, right? Two partiers just had one big circle jerk orgy mm-hmm. on like the American flag, and like somebody recorded the whole thing, like wrote up like a, a book report on it, and now it's like a YouTube channel. Yeah, I I mean again, craft history, craft yeah, lit- craftery. That's what they call it. Are they going to do cross-burning one-on-one? Is that one of the first... Uh, <laughs> I feel like they're going to they're gonna do some woodwork and some firework, and if they're going to talk about craft and history, they've got to come and talk about cross-burning. Like there's, like, there's hobbies that don't have to be shoehorned. Like, there's, there's hobbies that politics don't have to be shoehorned into it, you know? Like, I understand yeah. if you're, like, blacksmithing or woodworking or, like, uh, like metal making or whatever that or whatever the hell like that that automatically like basically if you work in colonial williamsburg is what you're saying (laughs) right you know did you end up getting the email i did yes and it's like it's like prager you took little einsteins and did something with it i don't even know what to say Um, conservative education oh god Ooh. Oh, that's that's true. Like, I don't I don't know. I I, I feel like I want to have more of a problem with this than I do. But like to me, I've always looked at the world as like as long as you like offer the option to to learn this way or that way. But I mean, the fact of the matter is PragerU isn't going to do that. It's not a no. university, you know, so it doesn't allow well, people it doesn't allow people who view their content to come to their own their own conclusions. Well, I particularly love their digital magazines, um, which I, I just I, I'm just looking at these and it's like, you know, Abigail Adams. OK, well, you know, Abigail Adams, she was, she was a good first lady and. You know, a good figure in history. That's something I can, um, I'm cool with. Uh, Margaret Thatcher, uh, which, uh, you know, I I don't think there's that many uh, third to fifth graders that are just aching to learn about the leader of a of another country that just, oh God, the 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 amount of austerity and neoliberal action on her part is just nauseating to even think about. 
And then the next two uh, women in their digital magazine section are Anne Rand and Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, <laughs> wow. Like, I mean, you went from trying to like, oh, we just give up. We, these are like right. the only we're, we're conservatives. We only know of like a few women. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, as as someone who as someone who like looked at Atlas Shrugged um, after playing like Bioshock and understanding what objectivism means. I looked at it through my, you know, little neocon perspective back in the day and was like, oh, yeah, that that could work. <laughs> Failing to understand that it was like. A dystopia and was written as such, you know, yeah. so it, it was one of those things where it's like, you know, on paper, this sounds nice, but where but it didn't. But, you know, it wouldn't work if implemented. Now, where have I heard that before? Hmm. So. <laughs> You just can't win with I, with what either side you have, or whatever side well, you use. They have this mascot named Otto, the bull, Prager U's favorite bulldog, and I, I just a bulldog, really? Like what? Otto, what, what does like that? Otto situation because I feel like the adults like probably have the most fun coming up with all this content. These kids are gonna be like, I don't care about none of this shit. <laughs> yeah. And that's the real like elephant in the room. These kids are gonna get bored with this. Like, fine. I was gonna say like they're not really they're not really doing a good job at at indoctrination if they can't see the practicality of what PragerU is is trying to do. And I say and I say practicality in like the biggest air quotes possible because yeah. if if the if the image of conservatism is like being strictly practical like okay i can understand like you know again function over form this is what works this is what doesn't you're taking an objective stance okay like i i guess i get it but if you want to be like so practical like you you should only do things in life if it's like useful to you like how is that not gonna breed sociopathy <laughs> you know like like oh yeah no don't don't just throw empathy completely out the window but you know uh, and this... I'm judge dread yeah it's like judge dread you know what i mean <laughs> i am here to complete the mission kind of kind of shit it's like all right yeah you completed the mission you you're just you know another cookie cutter robo twat like the rest of us so <laughs> But yo, um, this is more this is more unsettling because it's clearly not aimed at kids and it's clearly aimed at the parents. It's like more unsettling right. than that chick who makes mayonnaise fucking popcorn salad. Like <laughs> Google, Google that. This chick made fucking popcorn and put mayonnaise in it and turned it into a salad. Like, I, I can't make this out. I am looking this up. This is mental. This is. You're gonna go down a rabbit hole. You're not gonna want to be like, I wish I didn't do that. I wish. Oh I didn't my do god. That. I didn't want to I, do this. I, yeah. I I I just I don't know what to say. I'm, I mean, I'm already I'm already flooded with their YouTube videos for some fucking reason. Like I, I don't get it. I don't understand yeah. how the YouTube algorithm works. I really don't. You know. Well, I, 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 
I think I may have clicked on their video once when I was a freshman in college or like a senior in high school, maybe who knows. And that was because I was, uh, I was like curious on the content because I would keep seeing the content. Right. Mm-hmm. And at the time when I wanted to get into graphic design, I'm like, okay, well they, they, these people seem to know what they're doing. And you know, you get into politics and you, you fall down one rabbit hole and then you fall down the other. And it's just like, you draw your own conclusions and, and then you start to take a subjective look at it, and you're just like, wait a minute, this is uh, this doesn't really give me a lot of room to grow. <laughs> even if, like, even if PragerU is quote unquote telling it like it is for us, for us dumb liberals, I, you know, it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, for for as much as you tell it like it is, you know, th- there's no room for growth. Because let's just say hypothetically, someone on the left side were to watch this content and then they were to be, you know, they were to think, oh, okay, well, you know, being a Republican isn't all that bad. It it aligns more with my my beliefs and this, that and the other thing. And they become a Republican. Well, now they just have content of the right just shitting on the left, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's no video that's like, oh, so now that you're a Republican, welcome to the quote-unquote right side of history or whatever, and, you know, make your own conclusions. No, they just it, it's just a continuous pissing contest. And I think that's all it'll ever be, you know? And it starts well, with this. That's all that politics will ever be. It's, you know, it's spectacle, it's about ownage, it's not about anything practical anymore. It's, you know, and, and I, I will say the the section on here about how to take care of an American flag. Uh, I, I read that and I, I just uh, think back to Boy Scouts and the fact that this was like one of those instrumental things that wasn't overly emphasized. Like, like well, okay, I take that back. It was emphasized, but to the degree of your you're retiring a flag like something that's been used either outside somebody's front yard or it's been hung somewhere for like several years and it doesn't look that great because uh the elements out where i live are unrelenting so you know (laughs) obviously (laughs) that now not 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 on the same on the same level of where where you're at, Kenny. But it's it's bad enough out here to where you're kind of like, okay, it's windy, but at the same time, it feels great. Um, although we don't have any wind right now, it's kind of nice. Yeah, I just I don't know. I look at all this stuff and I'm just thinking to myself, wow, PragerU is desperate. What's the difference between PragerU and a lot of mass media that you see? Disguises itself in journals. Wait, wait, hold on. What, what was the question? What's the difference? What's the difference between PragerU and how they operate in a lot of mass media that you see that disguises itself as journalism? I'll it's say really- pra- I'll say PragerU is a lot more blatant in its conservatism, and I think that's why a lot of these conservative shills go and try to be like advocates for them. At least with journalists, they know how to like fucking hang their head low and know when they fucked up. But with PragerU, it's a matter of like, okay, well, you're a conservative. 
we're gonna we're gonna mold you and groom you into being the most outspoken conservative possible. Cool. And that's that seems to be like like the general consensus that I see. <laughs> you know, I feel like if you're if you're that in tune with your political beliefs, no matter what they are, you don't have to go around and espouse it like other people care. So speaking of that, did y'all see the whole Glenn Glenn Greenwald controversy on Twitter? Man, see, I know I probably sent you a link or two, but what was Wait, it? But- which Glenn? Because there's a lot of Glenn, <laughs> there's a lot of Glenn the Greenwald the controversies. One that, the one he like went, he went off on like a writer who just got her first story published, and he just totally just took a shit on her tweet. Oh yes, yeah. The or the, there was the intern. I forgot for what publication, but she had tweeted something, and you know because Glenn Greenwald has, uh the very divisive relationship that he has with sort of your standard media outlets. He went out of his way to be like, Oh yeah, here we go. Uh, He said, congratulations on using your new journalistic platform to try to pressure tech companies to terminate the ability of impoverished criminal defendants to raise money for their legal defense from online donations. Uh, And this in turn was for uh, USA Today. And people got in his ass about that on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. To me, I'm, I'm of two minds when it comes, when it comes to Glenn Greenwald. I know that back in the day at the sundial, I wrote an op-ed where, I had to sort of make a stand between Glenn Greenwald and Sam Harris. Um, suffice it to say, I've pretty mi- I've, I've pretty much neutralized myself from that debate between the two of them. Um, so I don't really side with either of them on most things. Um, that said, with Glenn Greenwald, I mean, he has done some outstanding reporting in Brazil, and especially in regards to how uh, Brazil's president has been arguably worse than we ever thought Trump could have been. But I don't know. It, to me, it, it did seem like something that was a little bit like, okay, did you need to go after her? No, I don't think you did. But at the same time, you know, he's he, you know, he's he's earned the position that he's in, and he can go from bemoaning the media on Twitter one day and being liked by a lot of people on the left to the next day going on to Fox News and going on a Tucker Carlson show saying, oh, Steve Bannon is a socialist. And you're like, uh, huh? What? You know? Well, I think that could actually be a good stopping point because I didn't want this to go down a downward spiral of uh, <laughs> just uh, crapping on Prager you again. It has been... A phenomenal blast to have Kenny on. I know there was a bit of an audio malfunction, but uh, if we can end this off, thank you so much for coming. Jake is squeaking his toy. Kenny, get a new microphone. (laughs) Until next time, thank you guys for watching. You've been listening to Mars on Life. Look up our show on Instagram and Twitter by searching at Mars on Life Show and give us a follow. Tune in to the latest episodes and bonus content from our show 
wherever podcasts are found, including Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Also, don't forget to head on over to the official Mars on Life YouTube channel to like and subscribe our work. This show's artwork, Happy Mars, is by Zachary Urbrick, while our intro and outro is Space Explorers by Kevin McLeod. Once again, I am Ryan Mancini, and my co-host, as always, is Sebastian Shug. If you keep going, you'll make it to Mars. <laughs>